and we will smoke together. I will light the double. Our bloods will remain forever. Welcome to episode 33 of the B-L-E-E-Z-Y show. I am your host, Blair Fields, and today uh, I'm going to talk about a very, very uh, serious matter. Uh, basically, uh, is there an issue with domestic uh, terrorism in America? So as you guys know, like a week or two ago, Frank James was identified as the gunman in that Brooklyn, you know, subway shooting. Thankfully, there were no casualties and it seems for the most part everyone's going to survive the injuries that they have. So, I'm going to bring it back to Frank James in a little bit and tie my whole soliloquy with the message I'm about to convey. So, I hate to be the one to really address, you know, this situation and like bring out the elephant in the room, but since Obviously, the pandemic started. There has been multiple attacks made on Asians, you know, in New York and San Fran, especially. And most of the time, you know, when you see the perpetrator of these attacks, you know, more than half of the time, I would say it's a black male, you know. And part of me, you know, is conflicted on why black men are targeting, you know, Asian people especially like the elderly people, like that's kind of, that's kind of weird. And part of me, you know, understands the frustration of what's going through a lot of these, you know, people's minds. So let me break it down. Uh, There was a hate crime bill that was signed not too long ago stating that, you know, any attack on an Asian American will be considered a hate crime, you know, because of the xenophobia and stigma surrounding COVID-19 and its origins. I understand the whole reason for the bill, you know, and obviously you can't have people going around attacking members of the Asian community just because they're Asians. Like I agree with the whole law being passed and everything. I'm all for it. But as a black man, I know exactly why many of us in the community are frustrated. You know, we haven't received any bills or laws that protect our lives when we get wrongfully attacked and sometimes killed. You know, recently they did just sign, you know, a law, you know, the anti-lynching law, and it says any form of lynching is a hate crime. And yes, whoop-de-doo, it only took you a hundred plus years to pass that law. You know, black people aren't being lynched today, you know, well, not Totally, there's still a couple that happen, but it's not as severe as it used to be. You know, nowadays we have to worry about getting stabbed and shot and caught in the crossfire and you know, police brutality and all this. So whatever the worst thing you could imagine is probably happening to a member of the black community right now. And for my Asian listeners, uh you may not want to admit it, but there is a social construct of America and the way we view class, culture, and wealth. And, you know, Asians are ranked higher than black people in that construct. 
to a certain degree. And what I mean by that, it's easier to make a living in this country if you're Asian rather than you're black. And I'm not saying Asian people don't face challenges and discrimination at all, because uh, I think, what should I call it? I think the, the, the challenges and barriers that Asians have to overcome to get where they're needed in this country are similar, you know, kind of, but the obstacle courses are designed differently. So bringing it back to like Frank James, you know, this black elderly guy who was obviously like mentally challenged, made a YouTube page displaying his clear, strong disdain towards like white people, Asian people, Spanish people, even black people. He was saying some shit about black people. And when you hear him speak, there's no cohesiveness. His thoughts are very scrambled all, all over the place. He sounds like he's just rambling a bunch of hate speech. And uh, you, when you get to this tragic event where, you know, he disguised himself as a construction worker, you know, and brought a gun with like three magazines onto a train with smoke bombs. And he obviously started like emptying the clip going bananas. The area, Sunset Park and where the shooting took place, is a predominantly Asian and Spanish neighborhood, which means I'm sure he had a certain demographic in mind when he, you know, decided on who he wanted to conflict, uh, inflict harm on, right? And because, like, obviously he's mentally challenged, I don't think, you know, he was, it wouldn't matter what station he was at or what train he was on, because he traveled from hours on the train, apparently. They have footage of him on the trains, like, for hours traveling. So when he arrived at that station, like, I feel like he had in his mind who he wanted to harm. So I asked Again, you know, why are Asians being targeted by black men? And I don't think there's a coincidence to these events. But as a black man, I'm going to try to help everyone understand, you know, what is really going on. So just to give you guys some background, if you don't know or you're not familiar with Latasha Harlins, the story is about 30 years ago, Latasha Harlins was this 15-year-old black teenager who went to a liquor store in LA to buy uh, orange juice. And the liquor store clerk was a Korean woman by the name of Soon Ja Do. And she accused Latasha of stealing the orange juice when Latasha clearly intended to pay uh, for it. So the two got into a verbal dispute. Latasha walked away with the orange juice or whatever. And when Latasha walked away, Soon Ja shot Latasha in the back of her head and killed her. You know, so obviously, Soonjan went to court. She went to trial and everything. And despite all the evidence pointing to her guilt, Soonjan was not convicted for the murder of Latasha Harlins. And she was just given, like, probation. And she didn't basically didn't have to serve a day in prison. So that is the privilege that I'm referring to. When you could kill a black girl for buying orange juice and be let off the hook, yes, there is a deep and dark anger that festers in the community in LA at that time black people you know they took to the streets they targeted a lot of Asian businesses because they represented the same side who acquitted the officers who beat up Rodney King so it, it kind of like aligns with that so it's like wow if, if anyone could just get off for killing or harming black people you know you would think those sides are like a lot in alignment and 
in you know some type of way or sense. And when you go to a lot of black neighborhoods in America, you know you see like a Korean-owned nail salon or a Chinese food restaurant or maybe a dry cleaner spot or something like that. But seriously, black people and Asian people, we have this symbiotic relationship for decades in this country. You know, how you think we got Tiger Woods and Naomi Osaka? And I don't think black people, we don't hate Asian people. We're like jealous and envious of a lot of our Asian, you know, friends. And, you know, we want to be afforded the same comfort and acceptance that most of them have gotten. You know, we want to have businesses in our neighborhoods that, you know, predominantly don't look like, like us. Like, obviously, we, we would love to serve the black community, but if black people could go to an all-Asian community, all-white community, and thrive like those businesses, we would love for that. You know, we want to be able to send our children to the brightest and best institutions. We want to be able to have the stigma of being good at something instead of the stigma of dropping out, right? And some may not agree with me, but in the eyes of a lot of black Americans, you know, Asians are pseudo aligned with white culture and the lifestyle that a lot of white people live. And I, it's more of a class thing, in my opinion. But, you know, the first thing you see about people is their race. So that leaves many black people, especially low income neighborhoods, feeling jaded and like left out. And when you look at Palisades Park, right, a town that I would say is at least 90 percent Korean and see how successful and how they're flourishing. You know, I love going to Powell Park because the identity of the town is like a a huge chunk of like Korean culture, you know, and I really can't get that experience anywhere else. I like going to Hot Pot, Karaoke, Boba, whatever it is, uh, Bonchan. The town flourishes, flourishes because all the cultures embrace it. We want to see it continue, develop, be a staple of Bergen County, not to mention you know, we're one of the wealthiest counties. So obviously we, we, we would love to see, you know, a dominance like that. But I would also love to see a city or a town or whatever it is, a village in Brigham County that's 90% black with a strip of majority black owned businesses thriving and being embraced and encouraged by all cultures. But the reality is that's not happening anytime soon, especially in this country, you know, uh, we're still segregating citizens by class and the confines of their neighborhoods and the uh, municipalities that they live in. And I even mentioned on my last episode when I was speaking about reparations, I spoke about on how Japanese concentration camps survivors and descendants received some type of reparations from the government. Like black people didn't even get a parade when they got back from World War II. Like they were, they were like, yeah, thank you for your service, but you still a nigga. You know, and so how can we bridge the glaring gap and make some sense of the senselessness that is happening? Some people think we need more policing, but we all know more policing doesn't result in anything but more problems. I think we need more mental health services when it comes to preventing and getting to the root cause of these violent attacks. I know for a fact that in many black households, mental health is still treated as a myth, you know where many of our elders believe it's kind of used as a cop-out of dealing with life and experience of, of ups and downs. And obviously, as we all know, mental health is not 
you know, to be taken as a joke. It has to be taken seriously. And it, you know, has the potential of a lot of long-term effects if not treated and diagnosed correctly. Uh, but just to wrap up my point about, you know, the violence in the Asian communities and how, you know, black people are, or black males rather, are like the ones committing the act of violence. You know, we just got to look out for one another and we all have to look at ourselves in the mirror and confront our biases. And we have to, you know, go against, you know, these stigmas that, you know, we were taught and raised and hold ourselves accountable for not only our actions, but our inactions as well. You know, like for me, working for a Japanese company with a lot of Asian American coworkers from different backgrounds, it helped educate me and eliminate all those ignorant stereotypes I was taught by my family and my friends growing up. And I just believe there's no room for vitriol and hate when it comes to the protection and safety, you know, uh, for our citizens of this country. You know, when we see something wrong happening, it's all of our jobs to uh, say something and be responsible and speak up and do something. You know, I don't want to see any more victims of crimes based on race anymore. You know, whether it be a black person, Asian person, Spanish person, white person, like that to me is is like old news. And, you know, and I think my only advice to the Asian Americans is, you know, just try to have some culpability when you're realizing that, you know, like you're kind of like walling yourself off, no pun intended, from a lot of these communities. Like, if you're going to have a business in a black community, it should go beyond just trying to get black people's money. You should be doing other services that could benefit black people. You know, if you're just looking to take our money but not looking to invest in us, obviously there's going to be some type of friction or some type of worrisome there. So I think we just all have to sit at a table or we all have to just really just like really get to learn about one another. Because I think we know each other, but we don't know each other. And I think that's the one thing that we need really need to improve on is our communication skills so we can prevent uh, acts of violence, you know, going forward. But uh, before I move on to my next topic, I want to congratulate my friend David and Achilles on the birth of their daughter, Amelia. I can't wait to meet her. Whenever you guys have that sipping sea shit, just let me know, obviously. But next, I do want to talk about uh, something that has been affecting me these past couple months. And it's like... The death, like the death of a friendship, or like friendships that you have to move on to from, right? So, recently, one of my close friends and I, we stopped speaking, and we pretty much ended our friendship. You know, from my end, I'll tell you my side of the story, right? So, she got some new guy she's talking to. He doesn't like me. He has blocked me out of her life. He blocked me on her phone, whether it's like social media messages, you know, and I confronted her about it mad times. I'm just like, you know, why is he doing this? Like this behavior to me is toxic, it's controlling, but she defends him and I get it. That's your guy. Like, but like, to me, it's just like, there has to be something else going on. And about two weeks ago, I was at the bar by myself. I seen them walk in together. And she was a little hesitant to even greet me. 
But when we finally did get a chance to like, you know, speak, he quickly walked over and started to confront me. And then I began to bark in his face because obviously I was like three, four drinks in. And I started making fun of him. I started to make a scene in the bar. It was really bad. And that got me thrown out of the bar. And when I, you know, went outside the bar, they were out there talking, whatever. And she came up to me and she was like, yo, why, you know, like, you know, you always got to cause problems and stuff. And I'm like, yo, he's the one who confronted me. Like, I just wanted to see, like, what was up with you? I haven't seen you in, like, a couple weeks. Like, I wanted to just catch up with you. And then I did something very out of my character. I, like, cursed him out. I cursed her out. Like, I never cursed anyone out before. Then I stormed off home. And then we had a short phone call conversation that led to more cursing. And I was just pissed. And then I posted a very, very inappropriate post on Instagram, which I took down, like, shortly after I posted. Because it was, like, the ugliest version of myself. And, you know, I apologized to her. I bought her a gift. Uh, She hasn't reached out to me since. And I'm not going to lie, I understand moving on from friends is a big part of life, but I'm having a very, you know, hard time, you know, moving on from this and trying to move forward. You know, this was somebody I spoke to like every day for an hour. And all of a sudden that routine isn't, you know, the same. That voice that used to like reason with me and soothe me isn't there anymore and you know, this has to be one of the most difficult adjustments because I don't want to stop being friends with her. But given the current, you know, climate in the situation, I don't see how a, my friendship with her can coexist while she's in a relationship with him. And of course, I feel hurt because now I feel like, you know, was our friendship even real to begin with? And now with the girl I'm talking to, I'm having doubts about like really putting all myself out there because I don't want to find myself in a similar situation with her. So I'm not even moving like I usually move. I'm a completely different person now, I feel. And I'm so accustomed to being a gentleman and putting other people first. Now I'm just selfish more than ever. Uh... And part of me loves it because you should be selfish at times in your life. But another part of me hates it because it's like it's kind of going against my nature, you know. And like Music Soul Child says, I just want my friend back, honestly. Like I really do miss like having her in my life and just having her to talk to and just having her just to give me advice. And I just, you know, when you lose someone because another person is insecure and feels the need to block you on their phone, I feel like it's unfair to me. Like, I didn't do anything to her. I didn't make no sexual attempt to her. I didn't make nothing to make her feel uncomfortable or him to feel... I didn't. I feel like I've done nothing. And I understand. Like, I'm handsome. I'm funny. I'm charming. I can see how some men see me as a threat. But as men, you know, there are plenty of times where we could have... Me and him could have had a simple conversation and got to the root of what the real issue is. And now I feel like... You know, that time has passed because it's on site now. Because I, when I see this nigga, I, I be, I'm going to want to fight him. And I'm not even a fighter. I don't have any ops. I don't have any enemies. So for me, to get to this point, you know it has to be, like, somewhat serious. 
And the Buddhism in me, I'm trying to do everything in my power to preserve the peace. And if that doesn't work, I'm just going to have to catch this nigga while he's lacking, you know? And I just don't get it. Like, as a man, how can you be insecure? Like, that's not a trait we wear well as men. Like, I'll be damned if I got to go through my girl's phone and block some niggas on her phone because they make me feel uncomfortable. Like, she got whatever niggas she want on her phone. Uh, as long as she ain't cheating, as long as she ain't doing some promiscuous shit behind my back, I don't care who she have on her phone. You know what I'm saying? If the guy's hitting on her, obviously I'm not going to like it. But if she is respectful enough to be like, you know what, I'm in a relationship, you know, or I'm talking to this guy, then, yeah, I'm going to trust her to make that decision. But if I got to take her phone and block niggas, like, what the fuck? Like, nigga, only women are insecure. That's why... You know, they wear fucking makeup and they have to have their nails done and they have to have their ass done and titties. And women are insecure because they just are always conscious about how they look from, you know, to other people. Like, men, we shouldn't be that self-conscious. Like, you shouldn't give a fuck as a man if I'm her friend. Like, you should be happy I'm her friend, my nigga. Like, I'm a very nice guy. If you got to know me, my nigga, you would say I'm a very nice guy, but you threw that opportunity out the window. And... I just don't get it, man. It's just so stressful. It's like, I don't want to end my friendship with her, but I, I have to, like, because I'm not finding a nigga. I'm not finding over a girl that isn't mine. I'm not finding a nigga who I don't fucking even know like that. Like, it makes no sense to me. Like, this is some fucking hood shit. And it's not even, like, what? Like, I don't, uh, I'm just so over it, man. I'm just so over it. I really just, I need to fucking smoke or have a drink or something, but... I got a lot off my chest that I need to get off. And um, I'm just going to wrap the pot up with that because I'm going to ramble for like another 15 minutes, honestly, if I keep going. But thank you guys, honestly, for tuning in to episode uh, 33 of the Bleezy Show. Uh, If you guys have any topics you want me to speak about or anything, suggestions to improve the quality of the show, just let me know. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in. Your time is appreciated. And everybody have a wonderful night. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard being a real nigga. Motherfuckers don't even wanna chill with you. Used to have my back, now you wanna stab me in it. Rooting for me to lose, I thought you had me winning. These premonitions really got me out here acting different. Blue, you ain't yourself when you hungry. Nigga, have a Snickers. Nah, no homo, I'd rather eat a nigga. They think they can eat off my plate with no consequences I know I joke around but fuck being condescending Nigga tryna take my life, I'm spending time in prison My time is precious like these fat bitches that be stealing chicken No matter how I climb, I'm just still a nigga Feeling fearless in the world who ain't fucking with us I'm loving and praying, my people paying with pain Exchanging my soul for chains, I feel ashamed nigga Even if we was lynched together, I wouldn't hang with ya my granddaddy was a real nigga His granddaddy was a field nigga Before COVID-19, I was a ill nigga This country don't give a fuck about us That's how I feel, nigga That's how I feel, nigga Yeah, that's how I feel, nigga It's so hard being myself nowadays Every problem I have just won't go away 
I go astray, lay my head down, try to hold a prayer I used to be a nice young man back in them older days I go to sleep with scars on my heart and a scolded face I spend my weekdays drunk and my weekends high I'm running out of time just like that weekend guy The truth been extinct for years, everybody's speaking lies I used to be scared to die, now I can't wait to fly Away from these people who add nothing and just divide Common sense is rare and justice is justified Can't see through God's visions if you looking through Satan's eyes All I do is laugh and love, they just hate and cry I'm trying to tie the knot, fuck trying to eat her twat They rip me apart like Ripley's, believe it or not When you come from the bottom, they don't want to see you on top My granddaddy was a real nigga His granddaddy was a failed nigga Before COVID-19, I was a little nigga This country don't give a fuck about us, that's how I feel, nigga That's how I feel, nigga Yeah That's how I feel, nigga Sometimes when I'm podcasting In the background, I can hear God laughing Wouldn't be the first time I work hard and seen as tragic These niggas disappearing like street magicians, Uncle Magic David Blaine with a blame, hit you three times, called a hat trick Leaves you fucking insane, you belong in asylum Niggas never been my family, let alone in my phylum Surprising how many people remaining in my life And how you hit it five times this month and you didn't wife it The only bitch I ever need is the one wearing a leash She don't talk to other niggas, she understands me like a peach Used to talk with my hands a lot, but I'm not Sicilian I don't mind playing the villain, cause nobody is real as him It's gonna be a cold day in the mall, when I chill with my friends Make sure my organs go to people who match in my skin It's crazy, we used to be mutual friends Only time you see me is when I'm dead That's why we call you funeral friends